Day. I'd like to say a special thank you and hello to those listening and watching online. Thank you for being a part of X Church. And uh, if you don't know, we actually are in about five or six different prisons in the central Ohio area. And uh, we say a special welcome uh, to the men and women in incarceration there. We're working on the Kings and Queens series. And we're trying to learn a little bit about some of the things they did right and some of the things maybe that they did wrong. Uh, Somebody told me once that a smart person learns from their own mistakes. Somebody else told me a wise person learns from someone else's mistakes. So we're trying to learn from someone else's mistakes uh, here today. And it is Father's Day, so I want to wish every dad in the room a happy Father's Day. Uh, Really, we appreciate you. As the father of four children, it really is uh, my honor and privilege to be a dad uh, to my four kids. And um, there are often challenges that come with this position of being a dad. And so I honor you for stepping up to the challenge and being a dad. Whether it is to your biological children, to your adopted children, maybe fostering children, or maybe you're a dad to a child that just needs a little extra special attention. Thank you for being that dad and we say happy father's day uh, to all of the men in the room today Uh, being a parent has a lot of challenges doesn't it we got a lot of things we have to teach our kids Uh, we got to teach them how to eat we got to teach them how to walk we got to teach them how to talk we got to teach them how to run we got to teach them how to play ball Uh, we got to teach them how to ride a bike we have to teach them how to ride a uh, drive a car and we might have to teach them how to say please and thank you. It doesn't seem to come real natural uh, to a lot of kids. So i got to teach them how to say please and thank you. Uh, we've got to uh, teach them all kinds of things. Uh, maybe words that they're supposed to say. And maybe uh, teach them those uh, words they're not supposed to say. Um, what I find in teaching children, there are three words that it appears that you never have to teach any child. I don't know if this is true or not. I've not done a scientific study on it. But it seems to me that there are three words you never have to teach a child. The first word is no. Why is that? Why, why, uh, if a kid doesn't want to do something, you don't have to work with them to help them learn how to say no. They just say no. I'm like, oh, I didn't teach them that. Um, uh, The other thing is the word mine. Right? Uh, They'll be playing with toys, and they'll set it down, and they'll go off, do something else, and somebody grab the toy, and they're like, wait, wait, that's mine. That's mine. Uh, It reminds me of Finding Nemo. You know, the seagulls or uh, the uh, pelicans going, mine, 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 mine. For whatever reason, you don't have to to teach a kid how to do that. Uh, The third word is the word why. Um, uh, Your kids ever say why all the time? Uh, This is absolutely true. Uh, With my kids, I decided one day, every why question I'm going to answer. And I want to see if I can uh, wait them out. I'm going to try to answer every why question they have. Uh, I lost every time. They have way more why questions than I do. As a matter of fact, I was scrolling through TikTok the other day and saw this cool video from a mom. Oh, speaking of TikTok, you might not know this, um, but my daughter, Sarah, my firstborn, the one that made me a dad first, uh, that one right there, she's TikTok famous. Uh, Sarah Ann McCoy, that one right there. Um, She has over 30,000 followers. She's got a video that's been viewed uh, three and a half million times. Um, Don't look it up now. Wait till after the experience. Um, uh, Give her a few more views uh, and likes. Um, But uh, she's TikTok famous. But she doesn't actually hold a candle to my wife. My wife 
is even more TikTok famous. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, she only has about 27 or 28,000 uh, followers, but uh, she's got a video that has been viewed over 14.7 million times. Yeah, and I'm telling you, don't look it up now. Do it later, and please lower your expectation. It's the most boring video on the internet. I don't know how it got to 14.7 million views. I don't. It, it, my car's in it. She's doing something to my car. Um, so I guess my car's TikTok famous. I'm uh, happy about that, the one I drove here today. Um, so I'm scrolling through TikTok, and I see uh, this mom. She's with her daughter, and uh, her daughter is asking the why questions. Uh, would you like to check it out? Um, and maybe you'll uh, see yourself uh, in the, this video and have the similar experience. He's just getting some some diapers. Why did he get us some diapers? Because Rosie needs them. Why do we need them? Because she wears diapers. Why do we wear diapers? Because she's a baby. Because her baby. Because she's little. Why do little mommy? She's only five months old. Why do five months old, mommy? Why do five months old? Because that's when I had her. Why we had her? Because we wanted another baby. Why you want another baby? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> no, don't point at your kids if they're in the room. Uh, if you're having the same question. Uh, so why in the heck did we do that? Um, we don't really know. Um, you know what I'm wondering? I'm wondering if maybe as adults... We don't really ever grow out of saying those three words. You know, sometimes we know the right thing to do, but uh, the wrong thing maybe is a little more fun, it's easier, maybe it's what we actually want to do. And so we say no to the right thing so we can say yes to the wrong thing. Or uh, maybe God says, hey, why don't you let somebody borrow your car or your house, or uh, why don't you use your house uh, for a circle gathering? Wouldn't that be awesome? And we say, no, 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 that, that's mine. Uh, that, that's mine. I, I, I got to keep that for myself. Maybe um, we don't grow out of that. And I'm here to declare that Steve Rao does not grow out of asking why. I ask why a lot. Because so many things I don't understand. Even asking God why. Uh, my wife and I, back in 2005, actually took Sarah on her very first mission trip. Hey, speaking of mission trip, 13 people are going on a mission trip this week to the Dominican Republic. Uh, we're going to do a couple of medical clinics. Uh, we're going to do some construction work. Uh, we're going to feed a, a village. Uh, we're going to do a VBS. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. So please pray for this group of 13 people going on a mission trip uh, this week to the Dominican Republic. It's a great honor and privilege. And by the way, if you want to go on next year's um, a mission trip, uh, uh, stop out at Next Steps and let them know, hey, I want to be a part of next year's uh, international mission trip. We'd love to take you uh, with us. But 2005, uh, my wife and I are t uh, taking a group of about 15 uh, to Haiti. We're super excited about it. And um, then we get word from the uh, federal government and the Haitian government that it might not be safe to go to Haiti. 
And I'm like, when is it safe to go to Haiti, right? Uh, it's a very chaotic place, uh, dangerous place. You've uh, seen stories in the news recently. Um, it's not the safest place in the world to go. So we know that. We still want to go. So we're going to go to Haiti. Um, we have a group uh, the, uh, meeting and uh, just a few weeks before um, we're going to go on this trip. And um, the group comes together and we say, hey, are you going to go? Are you ready to go to Haiti? So we finally vote. And the vote is... No, we're not going to Haiti. And I'm going to tell you right now, I was mad. I was mad that we weren't going to Haiti. We are going to the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. We're the second poorest country in the world. Uh, we're trying to work for God. We're trying to do what God wants. We're trying to go where God wants us to go. We're trying to be what God wants us to be to some of the poorest people on the entire planet. And we're going to let a little government thing stop us? Um, I thought we were children of God. I thought we were trying to follow what God wanted us to do. I thought we moved in the power of God. And we're scared of the situation? Why, God, didn't you encourage those people uh, to vote yes? Oh, why are you not letting us go? Why am I stuck here in America and not in Haiti right now? Why is this happening? Maybe you've had those similar experiences. I'm one of four children, two sisters and a brother. Uh, my brother's name is Mark. And uh, in 2007, he had a couple of kids, and his wife is Melissa, and uh, they, uh, they had a third kid. And um, they uh, had uh, this child in the hospital. His name was Elisha. And Elisha, um, had, they found some abnormalities. And so they went ahead and sent him home. They checked him out, said he should be okay. He was home for about a week, and um, they said... Uh, Go, uh, go see the doctor. They rushed him to the ER, and then they uh, rushed him to Children's Hospital. And uh, they did all kinds of tests. Nationwide Children's Hospital is one of the most powerful children's hospitals, uh, most effective uh, literally in the country. And so they had the best medical care possible. My brother and uh, his wife, Melissa, are deep followers of Jesus. So they were praying. No doubt they were fasting and praying. Uh, they had uh, my parents and I praying. They literally had hundreds of people uh, around the world praying for their son, Elisha. Um, they ended up going home for another week. He didn't do well, so they came back uh, to uh, Nationwide Children's Hospital. Um, they're doing all of the right things. Uh, they already have a couple of kids. Uh, uh, this is probably just a bump in the road, uh, not really that big of a deal. Um, they were staying at the Ronald McDonald House. Um, so um, on Saturday, the day before Mother's Day, they go back to the Ronald McDonald House uh, to eat dinner. As soon as they sat down, the hospital called and said, uh, you need to come back. Uh, your son has taken a turn for the worse. So they went back to Children's Hospital, and they said, your son is not going to make it. What do you want to do? And they said, all we want to do is hold our kid for as long as we can. So for 90 minutes, they sat in the rocking chair at Children's Hospital holding their son, Elisha. And at 14 weeks old, the day before Mother's Day, he died in the arms of his mom. 
And I say, that's not fair. It's not right. What did he do? My brother did everything right. He's talking to you. He's praying. uh, He's uh, loving his family. He's living right. He asked you to heal his son. The thanks he gets for that is he's got to bury his 14-week-old boy. Where were you? Why are we here? Why did that happen? I'm mad at you, God. Why is that the case? My dad pastored for 36 years. He came to Jesus at 15 and a half years old. Uh, He married my mom when he was 20. They had four kids together. I'm child number two. They always save the best for second. (laughs) And um, uh, my my dad got a call into the ministry, uh, founded a church, Pleasant Chapel Church of God. They're celebrating their 50th anniversary um, uh, next month. Uh, My dad founded uh, that church, did all kinds of wonderful things in the kingdom of God, a powerful leader. Uh, He was faithful to my mom for 47 years. Uh, It was awesome. And then in 2008, and it was November, my dad gets a call from the doctor, you have cancer. My dad was a man of faith. My dad believed what we sang last week. Uh, This is a house of miracles. So he said, God, you gave miracles to other people. Um, As a matter of fact, there's an old story in the Old Testament about Hezekiah. um, And uh, he uh, got a death sentence. And and he said, give me 15 more years. And my dad told me, I'm asking God to give me 15 more years. And when he does, I'm going to ask for 15 more. So he's asking for God, please uh, uh, help me, heal me. Um, uh, He had my mom praying, and you know the power of a praying mom, right? Uh, He had um, the church praying. He had literally hundreds of people around the world praying for him. As a matter of fact, on one particular day, over 30 ministers came to, to his house, and they did what it tells us to do in the book of James, to call for the elders of the church, anoint with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and the prayer of faith will heal. He did that right there. He did all of the things you're supposed to do. And still, on May the 1st, 2009, at 9.45 p.m., my dad died. And on this Father's Day, it's year 13 that my dad is spending Father's Day in heaven, and I'm stuck here. It's not right. It's not fair. God, what are you doing? He did all the right things. He he moved the way you, you tell him to move. He acted the way you tell him to act. He was being what you called him to be. He asked you to heal him, and you said no. How could you do that to my dad? Maybe... As a matter of fact, I'd like to see a show of hands. How many in the room have heard this statement? You should never question God. Anybody in the room? Yeah, about 75% of you. Yeah, you should never question God. Steve, 
you've been a pastor for all these years, and you have the audacity to question God. What's wrong with you? I'll tell you what's wrong with me. I believe that God is not offended by us asking him why. He's not offended. He's not have thin skin. Uh, he's not um, feeling like uh, he's less than or how dare you question me. How dare you ask me why? That's not God the Father. Here's one of the reasons I know. Because almost every hero in the Bible questioned God at some point. You guys have all heard of Moses, right? Uh, that guy who led the people of Israel out of Egypt. When God asked him to do that, um, he said, no, I don't want to do it. Um, I can't talk. I don't know what to say. Uh, they're not going to believe me. Um, I don't want to do it. Pick somebody else. You're wrong, God. You got the wrong guy for the job. Why are you asking me to do this thing? Job, that guy had everything. Money, power, and a deep faith. And he lost it all. And he's like, why is that the case? Well, we find the answer. Job asked the question um, in Job. It was uh, chapter 7. And he says, why have you made me your target? Why do you pardon or not pardon my offenses? Why are you not forgiving my sins? He felt like God was mad at him. And he's like, wait a minute, why are you treating me this way when I didn't do anything wrong? King David, he asked a lot of why questions. That guy did. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, he, uh, if you read the Psalms, you'll see it all over the Psalms where he's asking God why. Psalm 22 is one of them. He says, why are you so far from saving me? In Psalm 13, he says, will you forgive me or forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? David is saying, why, God, are you playing this um, spiritual battle of hide-and-seek? I need you. I'm struggling here. I can't find you. Where are you? God, why is this happening? Why am I here? And there's another guy. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Jesus Christ. You heard of him, that guy? Yeah. Um, that guy, you know, uh, when he was on the cross, there's the seven last words of Jesus. And one of those phrases is he's hanging on the cross. He looks to God and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quick quiz. Anybody in the room know what the big booming voice of God shouted from heaven when his son is dying on a cross, and he says, why have you forsaken me? Anybody in the room know what the big, booming voice of God said? That's exactly right. Nothing. The Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the one seated at the right hand of God right now, in his darkest, most painful, most uh, broken moment, is crying out to his dad, God the Father, and he gets radio silence. Jesus is left on red by his dad. Is it okay to question God? Well, let me see. I think maybe 
it's all right. If Jesus Christ can do that, it might be okay for you and me. We have a lot of why questions in our life. And I want to declare on the authority of the word of God, it's okay to ask why. The bad news is you might not get a big booming voice of God with a really clear answer to the why question. But it's okay. God can handle it. You're going through a difficult time, a struggle. It's all right. Go ahead and ask the why questions. God can handle it. He's not shallow in his emotions. He doesn't get offended. He doesn't mind us asking why. He can handle it. So let's go ahead and ask why questions. There's someone in the Old Testament uh, who had a very difficult struggle, and she asked a lot of why questions. Her name was Esther. You can find it in the Old Testament. It's a short book. It's one that even I can read and understand in a short period of time. So um, it's about 10 chapters long. I encourage you uh, to check that out this week, uh, the book of Esther. Just a quick backstory. Um, there was a guy, uh, his name was King Xerxes. And King Xerxes was the king of Persia. Uh, it was a large swath of area. Uh, it was from uh, India to Kush, which is now uh, modern-day Ethiopia. He had this large swath. Uh, he was large and in charge. He was really rich. Uh, he, was, uh, uh, he had a lot of things going for him. And he decided to throw a party. And uh, this is a really big party. How big, you ask? It lasted 180 days. Anybody want to go to that party? Yeah, I mean, if you don't have to go to work, I guess it'd be all right uh, to party for 180 days. So he throws this party uh, for 180 days, and uh, then uh, there was a week in there. <laughs> uh, uh, we had all these powerful people literally from all around the world at this party, and there was a lot of drinking. At the end of one of the kind of Mardi Gras week um, there, he decided uh, that uh, he was going to show off, he was showing off all of his things, so he said, I'm going to show off my wife. Uh, this, this is going to be really cool. Uh, they're going to love my wife, uh, and so I'm going to show her off uh, because, and I quote uh, from Esther, uh, she was lovely to look at. Not my words, that's uh, in the book of Esther. So he said, hey, Queen Vashti, that was her name, why don't you come and uh, parade before the assembled masses so they can see how awesome of a king I am with a gorgeous wife like that. And she said, nope, not coming. And uh, he's like, really? Um, so he's like, he, got, he grabs a group of guys together. He says, what should I do? And the guys are like, you got to fire her. You got to get rid of her. Because if you don't fire her, the rest of the women in this kingdom and this surrounding area will think they can say no to their husbands if uh, they ask them a stupid question. And so you got to get rid of her. So he does. He fires Queen Vashti. Well, a few days later, he sobers up. And he's like, oh, crap, I don't have a queen anymore. Now what do I do? Uh, I'm a big man on campus, but I don't have, uh, I don't have a queen. Um, so he did something uh, that um, uh, you might not, uh, might not be aware of. Uh, he actually instituted the very first reality show. It was called The Bachelor. Yeah. Are there any Bachelor fans in the room? Yeah, well, the first one happened uh, back in the book of Esther uh, when King Xerxes, and because he fired his wife, I like to call him King 
Xerxes, um, but uh, he's, uh, he's the bachelor, and um, he's like, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta have a show. So he asked for all the beautiful women of the area to come to this area, and he's gonna pick a new queen uh, from this group of women that he's assembled. And um, Esther was chosen to be one of the women that were gonna come for this original bachelor. And the reason she was chosen, and I quote from Esther chapter 2, verse 7, she was lovely in form and feature. All right, again, not my words, that's the word of God. She was lovely in form and feature. As a matter of fact, as I was scrolling the internet, I found an actual photo of Esther. Um, They actually did an uh, archaeological dig recently. They found this picture. Uh, Would you like to see uh, this beautiful woman in form and feature? Would you like to see her? Uh, Your silence says yes, so good. Um, this, there she is. Oh, oops, sorry about that. <laughs> That's my wife, uh, Stacy, uh, who's beautiful in form and feature. As a matter of fact, on November the 7th, it'll be 30 years that my wife and I have been married. Uh, so that picture from 30 years ago. I guess it wasn't really an archaeological dig picture. My, my mistake. Sorry about that. Um, so she is chosen. Esther to be in this group. Now, Esther has a lot of problems. First of all, Esther's an orphan. Her parents have died. She's being raised by her cousin, Mordecai. Uh, She's not from Persia. She's an Israelite. Uh, She's not pagan. She's Jewish. Um, So she's got a lot of strikes against her. And here, she's being placed in uh, this group of ladies and no doubt she's asking why am I here I'm not from this country I'm not from this family lineage my parents are not even living I didn't sign up for this why am I here well you might have similar questions in the things that you may be struggling with even at this moment why am I here Why am I in this position? Why am I in this job that I hate? Why am I in this occupation? Uh, Why am I living in this neighborhood? Why am I having this struggle? Why am I having this health issue? God is the healer. I've asked him to heal me. He hasn't. Why is that? What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me that he hasn't healed me? Why am I going through this family struggle? Why are my children dealing with unspeakable difficulties? Why doesn't he take care of this problem? Why am I here? Why am I having this financial struggle? You know, I started going to church. I started tithing. Uh, I'm trying to do the best I can, and I'm stuck in this dead-end job. I can't get promoted. I'm having all these financial issues. My car's breaking down. I get issues at the house, and I'm asking God to help me, and I'm getting radio silence from him. Why is that? Why, God, are you treating me this way? Well, the first answer is... 
we don't always know. I certainly don't know why my 14-year-old nephew died. I certainly don't know why my dad at 67 years old, who didn't drink, smoke, or chew, or run with women who do, (laughs) why that guy had to die at 67 years old. I don't know. And now am I mad about it? Yes, I am. Am I confused? Yes, I am. Am I frustrated? Yes, I am. Because I don't know why. But these are the moments that I have to trust. That God knows what he's up to. He knows what he's doing. He uh, has not forgotten about me and he's not forgotten about you. Whatever struggle you're going through, whatever why question you're asking, whatever difficulty you're facing, the challenge this morning is, first of all, it's okay to ask why. God is fine with that. As a matter of fact, he made us as humans. He knows we don't get it. He knows we don't understand. He knows uh, we don't know certain things, many things. He's all right with it. You can go ahead and question. But just know that sometimes we're going to get no answer, not in this life. But Esther is asking the why question. Why am I here? And I don't know if this is um, your answer, but I think it can be our answer. Maybe this is one of the answers. Why am I here? Maybe, perhaps, possibly, it's because God has something for us. Maybe God has something for us. We see in Esther chapter 2 verse 9 that uh, King Xerxes provided Esther with her beauty treatments and special food. He assigned her seven female attendants selected from the king's palace and moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. How long did this process take? This bachelor was not a 12-week series. Uh, This was a 12-month period of time. So God had something special for Esther. She didn't understand. She couldn't figure it out. She didn't know why this was happening. But as it turned out, God had something for her. He had the best beauty treatment money could buy in the world at that time. Uh, She was in this contest uh, to potentially be the next queen of Persia. She had opportunity and None of that would have happened if she had stayed in Israel. None of that would have happened if she had stayed quiet. None of that would have happened if she wasn't raised by Mordecai. None of that would have happened if she didn't be where she was. Because God had something special for her. God has something special for you. The challenge is always, what is it? What is it? Well, we don't always know, but if we'll continue to trust, if we'll continue to believe, if we'll continue to lean on the Lord, we will find out that God has something special for us. God has your best interest at heart. God loves you, and he wants the very best for you. I know that because of that very familiar verse. You're aware of it, but we need to be reminded of it. In Romans 8, 28, it says we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose 
God has something for you in the middle of the questioning, in the middle of the wise, in the middle of the confusion, in the middle of the uh, misunderstanding. I'm here to declare on the authority of God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit, God has something for you. He had something for Esther, and it was super cool. And God has something for you. Well, the true story of Esther continues. She is given the rose. Yep, she's the winner of the original bachelor. She's now Queen Esther, Queen of Persia. Things are going along really well. And then she's like, uh, what's going to happen next? Uh, anybody else have this experience? You feel like it's going so good, the crap's about to hit the fan? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 maybe it's just me. Uh, but I, yes, uh, I know that experience. Uh, that's what happened to her. It happened in the person of uh, her cousin Mordecai. He was hanging around the castle all the time because uh, uh, his cousin was now Queen Esther, Queen of Persia. And uh, King Xerxes, or Xerxes, uh, that guy, um, he, uh, he promoted a guy named Haman. And Haman was, uh, if you think uh, King Xerxes was arrogant, Haman made him look like a rookie, right? Uh, this guy was super arrogant. And anytime he went anywhere, he wanted everybody to bow down to him and tell him how wonderful he was. Well, the problem was when he's moving in and out of the castle, Mordecai was there. And Mordecai wouldn't bow down. When everybody else was bowing down, he wouldn't bow down. And they're like, hey, Mordecai, why don't you bow down to Haman? You know he's really mad about that, right? And he said, well, let me tell you why. I'm Jewish. And because I'm Jewish, that means I follow the one and only true God. And my Bible tells me that I should only bow down to God the Father. Don't bow down to another human being. I'm not doing it. And Haman goes, oh, really? So he puts a plan together. He goes to King Xerxes. He says, hey, there's a group of people that don't follow your rules. They don't obey you. You know what I think we ought to do? I think we ought to eliminate all of them. And King Xerxes is like, really? He said, yeah, who are these people? Oh, they're the Jewish people. He said, okay. Uh, they have a process uh, back in those days where uh, you would give the king's ring to someone to pass a law. Um, and the law of the Medes and Persians could not be broken. It had to be completed. So he gave him the ring. Uh, he said, go ahead and pass the law. So he picked a day of destruction for the Jewish people. Haman's really, really happy about it. Mordecai gets word and he's broken. He is mourning loudly and bitterly outside the castle. Queen Esther hears about it. Her heart's broken. Hey, my cousin who's been so helpful to me, that guy is broken right now. We've got to find out what the problem is. And uh, Mordecai tells her, listen, all Jewish people are going to be killed on this particular day. And you know you're Jewish. And I told you not to reveal uh, your identity because there might be some prejudice. But, but you did a great job of that. But look, you are about to die on this day of destruction. And then Mordecai says, you got to do something. You got to go tell the king um, that uh, this can't happen. And she said, I can't do that. You must not know the rules. Anybody that goes to see the king without an appointment is instantly killed. There's only one 
exception, and that is if the king would hold out his golden scepter to you, then you get to live. That's the only shot you got. So why are you asking me to do this? I didn't want this job. I didn't want to be queen. I didn't want to be here. I don't want to be uh, the, the savior of our people. I'm just trying to live my life, look as beautiful as I can, have a wife, uh, a husband and family and children. I, I, I don't want any of this. Why am I here? Why is this happening to me? I didn't sign up for this. Well, here's what Mordecai says in Esther 4, 14. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? But you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Well, the account continues. Queen Esther risked it. She decides, I'm going to go see the king without an appointment. She shows up. The king sees her, and he extends his royal scepter to her. He says, what do you want? I'll give you anything. Half of my kingdom. She says, I want you to come to dinner. Well, that's kind of a risky move for a dinner. And he says, okay, you want me to bring anybody? She said, yeah, I want you to bring that Haman guy. He said, okay. So they go to dinner. He gets done with dinner. And he says, hey, what do you want, Esther? I'll give you anything, anything you want. She said, I want you to come to a second dinner. And uh, he's got to be scratching his head like, wow, she risked her life for two dinners. I mean, I'm fat. I, under, I appreciate a good dinner, but uh, I'm not risking my life for that. Um, so he, they have a second dinner. He come to the dinner. He says, what do you really want? And she said, I want my life. There's someone who's uh, got a day of destruction for me and my people. We're all going to die. And he said, who is it? And she said, it's that guy right there, Haman. And Haman is, uh, he's mortified. He's terrified. He's like, I didn't know you were Jewish. And the king is enraged. He's like, somebody kill Haman. So one of the attendants comes and says, hey, 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 um, Haman on the day of destruction was, uh, was going to hang Mordecai um, at his house. As a matter of fact, he's built this really tall gallows, and he was going to hang Mordecai on it. And King Xerxes says, hang Haman on that then. And so Haman, plot twist, gets hung on the gallows that he had built for someone else. And then King Xerxes says, Queen Esther, you get all of Haman's property. The guy that just got that big promotion. You get all of his property. And Queen Esther says, Mordecai, I'm going to make you the executor of that property. So the guy that was going to kill Mordecai ends up with all of Haman's property. Yep, it's a, a situation that was terrible for Queen Esther and Mordecai, but it had a tremendously happy Disney ending. What was the result? Well, when bad things are happening and we say, God, why is this happening? Well, maybe the answer is because God has something for others through you. 
God has something for others through you, right? God has something for us, but maybe he has something for somebody else, and he's using you to get that to them. Um, Mordecai was able to receive a special gift from Esther because of this horrific situation that happened. None of us want to go through the difficulties. None of us uh, want uh, these things to happen. But when we put our full faith, trust, and confidence in God, something wonderful God will have for us. And God will have something wonderful for us to give someone else. Proverbs 11.25 says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So you'll get a refreshment, therefore you'll have a refreshment to give to others. In 2 Corinthians 1.13, it says, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others who are in trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. No, we don't want trouble. No, we don't want difficulty. But when we go through it, we have refreshment to give to others. We have comfort to give to others. We have wisdom to give to others. We have grace to give to others. So let's not waste these difficult times. Uh, let's use them as something that God is putting in us so that we can give to others. You see, in the middle of our questioning, it could be that God is on a quest to bless us and to bless others through us. So let's not waste those difficult times, those difficult situations. In times like this, we can exercise our faith. We put our full faith and confidence in God. You know what? When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he got radio silence from God. I think he did it. On purpose, because he knew that Jesus was going to figure it out later. Jesus was going to learn the reason later. And you know what the reason was? The reason why um, God was forsaking him is because he was carrying my sin on that cross. He was carrying your sin on that cross. And he knew that he had to finish the project. And if he finished the project, we could have our sins forgiven. We could overcome sin, death, hell, and the grave. Are you thankful for that this morning? That he didn't get an answer from God. God, what he got was a blessing that he could give to us, forgiveness, and overcoming these difficult things. You saw a picture of my wife, there's a little information about my wife and I. My wife and I, uh, we sign a little bit. Uh, we know how uh, to talk to deaf people. Now... Uh, we're not interpreters. Is there any deaf person in here? No, if I said the right thing there? I don't know. Uh, we're not interpreters. Uh, but we do sign just a little bit. She took a class at OU. Uh, I took a class when I was at uh, Bank One many years ago. And uh, we enjoy signing. So we can connect with other people. You might recall early in this talk that God didn't let us go to Haiti, and I was really mad about it. As it turns out, six weeks before we're go, supposed to go to Haiti, we got a group of people ready to go, no place to go. So we did a little quick checking around. We found this organization called SCORE International. It's in the Dominican Republic. We literally are on the same island on the other side of the mountain. Quite frankly, I thought it was a consolation prize. Yeah, we're not really where we're supposed to be, but I guess we'll do this. We went to this remote village, 
in the Dominican. Our plan was to feed that village, and we did, and then to have a, a little church service for adults and kids. And unbeknownst to my wife and I, in that little remote village in the Dominican Republic, there were three brothers who were deaf. So while we're talking about Jesus, while we're sharing about the love of Jesus, while we're singing about the love of Jesus, my wife and I had the privilege to speak to these brothers in the language of sign. It might have been the first time or only time they heard about Jesus in their native language. And that would not have happened if I'd been in Haiti. We would have missed it. God had something for us. And God had something for someone else through us. And I would have missed it if I had gotten what I want. And so, on the ride back to the mission compound, I was thanking God for not giving me what I wanted. Because he had something so much better for someone else. And I thank the Lord for that. You see, wise can make us wise. W-H-Y-S can make us W-I-S-E. You see, I was a lot smarter on that bus ride back to the mission compound because I saw what God was doing when I didn't understand, when I was frustrated, when I was angry. God had a plan all along, and my wise allowed me to become wise about what God was doing. I believe it was Charles Spurgeon who said, when you can't trace God's hand, trust his heart. Stand with me if you would, please. I don't know what you might be going through. I don't know what you might be facing. I don't know what your struggles may be right now. I don't know what difficulties you might be experiencing, but I know that we serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for Queen Esther, what he did for Job, what he did for Moses, what he did for King David, what he did for his son Jesus, what he did for Stephen Stacy, he will do for you. You may be in the middle of your why questioning right now. You might be getting radio silence from God right now. God might be leaving you on red. You might be angry with God right now. You might be frustrated and about to give up on God and on your faith. And I get that. And it's all right. God's not mad about that. Because God loves you. And he is always present. He promises to never leave you or forsake you. To go with you to the very end. And if we'll cast our cares on him, he'll care for us. Let's pray together right now. Let's ask God the why question knowing that we might hear radio silence. But let that be the moment that we continue to lean on him. Let that be the time when we continue to trust in him. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your love for everyone in the room. Thank you for never leaving us, never forsaking us. Thank you for being with us to the very end. Thank you for being an all-knowing, all-present, all-loving God.
I'm just curious, anybody in the room have a why question? Maybe you're going through something you don't understand. You're frustrated, angry. Uh, you'd be cur- courageous enough to raise your hand to say, what, would you pray for me? Thank you, I see those hands. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you see your children. They're going through a difficult time. They don't understand. We don't know why these things are happening. We don't know why we're here. Would you send a special presence of your Holy Spirit to them right now, knowing that you're working on something special for them. You see their need. You see their concern. You see their frustration. And you love them. And you are going to do your best to confirm in their spirit that you've got them. You are the safety net that will catch them in the middle of this difficult time. We ask you to give them a blessing and help in every way that they need. Help them to lay this before you. Help them to have the confidence and strength to stay true and faithful to you. Help them to be all you've called and created them to be. Uh, We claim your promise uh, that you will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine according to your purpose in their life in this situation and you will get good out of this situation you will get glory out of this situation because what you're going to do and we look forward to the day that they share their story about how you showed up in their life in the middle of their why we love you and we thank you for all the things you do for us all the ways you take care of us and we pray this in the name of your son Jesus amen Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.